home where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. <laughs> Sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. What the hell is that? There's no one else here, that infernal ringing. Who are you? Gary Hoffman. I was raised to do one thing. Shannon Farron. Nothing will stand in our way. The force. It's calling to you. Gary and Shannon. Just let it. Uh, thing I learned over the weekend, if you're going to play pool with Shannon Farron, you have to break. And you cannot allow her a chance at the table because she will win. That's what I have discovered. Is that your takeaway? That was my takeaway. Listen, as I, as I said on Saturday night, I've spent a lot of time on the road oh. playing pool with strangers my in Pittsburgh. My favorite was your, was your husband said, yeah, uh, I get these random texts at like 11.45 at night, our time, which means it's 2.45 in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and the text reads, I'm playing pool with a bunch of random strangers, <laughs> which has got to be the probably the best text to get when, you're, uh, when your loved one is 3,000 miles away. Listen, he yeah. knew what he was getting into. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. All right. Well, this is, a, uh, this is a big day. We have a lot going on, even though it is a holiday. First of all, there are a bunch of protests that have apparently cropped up around the the, uh, the country on this President's Day to protest a bunch of things. They're protesting uh, the president and his feelings and his hair and his skin tone and and his national uh, emergency declaration over the border. Is that wall. the heater that just came on? It does feel like it's warm. It yes. feels like tropical in here. It's strange because it's usually four degrees in here. Well, here's the thing. On holidays and the weekends, they don't run the air conditioning, which is fine. But you can't turn the heater on now as well. Well, it is cold outside. It's not cold in here. It's so loud in here, it sounds like it's yes. raining. It, I, it's very loud. It's audible, yes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I tur- I looked out the window to see if a truck was going by. It's not. I mean, why turn the heater on? Okay, well, we can ask somebody if you'd like. There's nobody here. There's oh. zero people here. The only people here are the five of us. We can run down the hall and see if Wayne knows why. Wayne's gone. Oh, he's oh, gone. Crap. He left. We're out. Never mind. <laughs> Those last four minutes were Vic recorded. might know. We'll go ask Vic the Brick and Fred Rogan and Rodney Pete. Maybe they know. Also, they don't, are they they don't here? work today. They are here. They are. Oh, they are. Yeah, Vic's huh. definitely here. 
Well, you guys, we're going to start with a story about Jesse Smollett. Holy hell, this uh, blew up. Yeah. On, well, we all saw this coming, though, right? I think so. I mean, I know that there were people who immediately jumped on the Jesse was the victim bandwagon, but for some reason, I said at the beginning, I, there's something about this that doesn't make any sense. And here you go. Chicago police are very careful to say they are not in any position to confirm or deny or comment on the validity of these stories that have been unofficially released over the weekend, which are the this, that the two men from Nigeria, these two brothers, when they were picked up late Wednesday night at O'Hare Airport when they flew back into the country, they were questioned for several hours. Well, they were released, and Chicago police would only say that there is definitely a change in direction of the investigation and they want to uh, have some follow-ups to complete, including speaking to the individual who reported the incident. They rolled on him right quick, didn't they? One of the things that you should work out before you stage an attack on yourself is the people that you hire to attack you. They should be uh, people that the cops are not going to find, and I think that's probably why he went with these guys. From, right. They're from Nigeria the whole bit. But also that they're not going to roll on you. They wasted no time rolling on Jesse Smollett. Even to the point where they apparently told the police, who somebody then told the Chicago Sun-Times, they know which store the, the rope came from that appeared around his neck from the Crafty Beaver Hardware Store in the Ravenswood area. Crafty Beaver Hardware Store. Story just keeps getting better, doesn't it? It's really unfortunate for all the people who are truly victims of hate crimes in this country. That's because the- he did them all a massive disservice because of his motivation to make himself some sort of hero in victimhood and, and therefore keep his job on Empire. So I went back and I listened to the interview that he did with Robin Roberts that aired on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, ABC, by the way, came out this morning and tried to cover their asses about how they handled that thing because that interview was such a softball interview and there was very little pushback. The uh, When I listened to this interview again, just in the context of the of what we've been talking about, people who are outraged and the more outraged you are, the better human you believe that you are. Listen to the question from Robin Roberts about why. Why do you think you were targeted? On, why he I thought. Just stop assume, it. I mean. Stop. Why he thought he was targeted for this attack, this racist, homophobic attack at two in the morning outside of a subway where someone would know that he was walking. Why do you think you were targeted? I can just assume, I mean, I come really, really hard against 45. I come really hard against 45. That's the thing. Can't even say his name. He's that. That's how outraged he is. I come really, really hard against his administration. And I don't hold my tongue. Time out. Time out, time out, time out. The, the part of what I've uh, been amazed at in this whole story about Jesse Smollett is the number of people who say, who? Right. They had no idea who this guy was. Even if they watched Empire and knew that he was one of the characters, they wouldn't have recognized his name had this thing not happened to him. Right. So this idea that he is so high profile in terms of his pushing back against Donald Trump that someone would recognize him. In the street, in the middle of the night, not only as an actor, as an actor on Empire, as an actor on Empire who was openly gay, 
as an actor on Empire is openly gay and had, comes so hard against the president. And he is not, like you said, the, the name recognition is not there. There's a lot of people who come so hard against the president. That would be way up on the list if people were uh, out on the streets wanting to, to target these people. Um, he has hired criminal defense attorneys, yeah, which is never a, a good sign. They uh, put out a statement, and they said, As a victim of a hate crime who has cooperated with the police investigation, Jesse Smollett is angered and devastated by the recent reports that the perpetrators are individuals he is familiar with. He has now been further victimized by claims attributed to these alleged perpetrators that Jesse played a role in his own attack. So they're doubling down on this. By the way, there was a report over the weekend that he hired the attorney who represented Michael Cohen. That's not true. Or at least it's premature. I guess he could. No, uh, this future, uh, but... this lawyer, Todd Pugh, I think, gained notoriety when he defended uh, a, a murderer and rapist. If I, yeah. I was reading his bio on his um, on his page there where he's a partner in a firm. It's never a good idea when you've got to hire somebody who defends rapists. You know what I mean? It's just not. not a... A, there is a point where in your life you should probably ask yourself. Have I misstepped if I have to hire somebody who defends rapists? I don't know if he did the cost-benefit analysis of concocting an attack like this, a a hate crime in Chicago, if he picked Chicago for a reason because of its climate right now that's not great between the police and African-American community there. Um, But in Chicago and Illinois, when you file a phony police report, it's a felony. He is now looking at three years in prison. Potentially, yeah. Now, the, the police had said, without using Jesse Smollett's name, I said this before, they have some follow-ups they'd like to complete, including speaking to the individual who reported the incident. If I remember right, it was actually his friend that was there that reported the incident. Um, but I assume they're talking about Jesse Smollett here. And according to his attorneys, they've told the Chicago Sun-Times, they could organize an interview as soon as today with the detectives. So this is the, this is one of those things where because there there have been some leaks from within the police department, but they're they seem to be limited, and the information that comes out is not very um, extensive. This is going to be hard to get some information on, but we're going to keep an eye on this and see if uh, if see if in fact he does get interviewed by the uh, by the police yet again. In case you were wondering, yes, Crafty Beaver Hardware is a chain. There are three locations. Oh, well, in that case, this hardware store update brought to you by the Crafty Beaver. When we come back, we're going to tell you the story uh, also out of Illinois. This was a story that dominated the very end of our show on Friday, this shooting at a uh, uh, manufacturing facility in Aurora, Illinois. We now know about the five victims and uh, the guy who did it was not supposed to have a gun. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. You got some change inside your pocket, but it doesn't change a thing. I'm a stranger to your stuff, but I have seen some stranger things. Gary and Shannon, hey, um, just a quick update on the Jesse Smollett story. Part of the story is that he was in Chicago the night that he says he was attacked. He flew into Chicago that night. The reason he was up so late and out getting dinner, you know, out, he's at Subway getting a sandwich and a salad, is because he had been in New York City earlier that evening. I guess technically the night before since it happened at 2 in the morning. 
he was in a play or he was doing a table read for a play called Take Me Out. And he was being considered uh, to appear in a possible revival of this play, a Tony-winning play, about a biracial baseball star who comes out as gay. The script for the play has his character being attacked by a new pitcher who comes onto the team and uses the same racial slurs. I mean, not that they're unique to the situation, but the N-word and the F-word that he throws around that Jussie Smollett says were yelled at him a few hours later when he was in Chicago. Well, we're learning more about the shooter that opened fire in that manufacturing plant in Aurora, Illinois. It happened when we were on the air on Friday, and uh, very few details were being released uh, in the hour, and uh, hour and a half, two hours following the shooting. But now we're learning that it was five men who were killed, all employees at the Henry Pratt manufacturing plant. And the shooter was being terminated that day. It was uh, a meeting there with uh, the, the boss, a couple guys from HR, a union representative, and he shot and killed all of them. Yes, he knew this was coming, obviously. That's why he would have his gun with him. Uh, it turns out, as they looked into this guy's history, this is a frustrating look at the, uh, I don't know, the lack of teeth, perhaps, in gun laws. Um, Illinois is is a place that has pretty strict gun laws. And it's surprising that, I, I know that there's a call for, for you know, stricter gun laws, et cetera, but the, the, the reality of a lot of these situations has been if we just enforce or find a way to clean up the gun laws we do have, yeah. some of these things could have been prevented. Use this as an example. Uh, they did a background check on this guy. But it failed to detect a felony conviction that should have barred him from buying that gun. Months later, a second background check of this guy found his 1995 aggravated assault conviction in Mississippi. This was a stabbing of an ex-girlfriend. But when that was detected, it prompted just a letter stating that his gun permit mm-hmm. had been revoked yeah, that- and ordered him to turn over his firearm to police. Well, a letter is all fine and good, but what makes you think this guy is going to comply? Yeah, th- this is the this is the f- most frustrating thing to me about the arguments over gun laws because the ones that we have on the books right now are not being used correct. We have to fix a situation like this where this guy was like you said in 2014 he bought this Smith and Wesson 40 caliber handgun because he was issued a firearm owner's identification card in the state of Illinois. And after he got the weapon, he applied for the concealed carry permit. So To do that, you have to go through the fingerprinting, the background process, and that was discovered when that felony conviction came up for aggravated assault out of Mississippi. Why why was that not on the original background check, the criminal background check for his firearms owner's identification card? Furthermore, once they did identify that he had this aggravated assault felony in his past— Why couldn't they go after him and remove that weapon? Well, the law does not mandate that police ensure the weapons have been removed if the red flag is raised later on. In fact, a couple years ago, legislation was introduced to require police to go to the homes of gun gun owners who have their their cards revoked and and search for the weapons. But it failed because they said that police departments were going to be overtaxed. Now, well, of course, there's talk for, for fresh leg- legislation that would, in, in, a, in effect, do the same thing. Not to mention, that is a ridiculously 
high tension, high danger job. I'm going to go to a guy's house who just had his his yeah. uh, gun license basically revoked and take his guns away from him. I would not sign up for that job, but that's not that's why I'm not a police officer. Now, the five officers who were shot in that shooting on Friday are all recovering. They were all between the ages of 23 and 53. Some of them have been on the job for just three years. One of them had been on the job for 30 years. They have not identified them. There was a sixth officer sustained a minor injury. Um, the the deaths, though, I mean, the, the fatalities in this case. Russell Bayer, Bayer, 20-year employee, he was the union representative. He was there because he was uh, a representative for the shooter, probably. Yeah. Um, he was probably in his corner in that meeting. His dad, his dad worked for that same company for four decades, and, and Russell went on, sort of followed in his dad's footsteps. His dad says Russell was in the room because he had a big heart and wanted to be in there when this guy was let go. Vicente Juarez is a stockroom attendant for, forklift operator there. He was killed. He's a father and a grandfather of eight, patriarch. There was Clayton Parks, who's a human resources manager. He had just joined Henry Pratt four months ago. And listen to this. He had an intern with him on that day, a kid that goes to Northern Illinois University, an HR intern on his first day in his internship. And he's in that meeting and he's shot and killed. And then Josh Pinkard, the fifth one, Henry Pratt plant manager. This is a guy you may have seen the headlines after he was shot, was able to text his wife between the time he was shot and the time he died. And he wrote, I love you. I've been shot at work. That's the only text she got from him. This, uh, the guy was shot and killed by police. The situation from the first moments, from the first 911 calls to the time the shooting stopped, they said was about an hour and 35 minutes. Andrew McCabe goes on 60 Minutes with a couple of nuggets of juicy tidbits. Sorry, that didn't come out right. Listen, it's Monday. It's a holiday. I'll get better. Gary and Shannon will continue. Sipping on straight glory. Gary and Shannon. Stories that we have been uh, following today include the Jussie Smollett attack. Chicago police have confirmed that the storyline has shifted, but they're only saying that they have some new and uh, um, follow-up investigation that they would like to do, including with the people who reported the crime in the first place. Well, Andrew McCabe went on 60 Minutes, and we saw... A little bit about what this was going to be about on Friday. We knew that he was going to talk about his his information, uh, according to him, that there was talk about removing the president using the 25th Amendment and that Rod Rosenstein was in on it. And they were counting votes that they would have in the cabinet to remove this president. So that came out uh, as well as some other uh, some other nuggets like that the president 
believes Vladimir Putin when it comes to North Korea's nuclear arsenal, that our intelligence agencies are going to the president and saying North Korea could reach us with a missile. They have that capability. Vladimir Putin's going to the president saying North Korea does not have that ability and that the president sides with Putin. And McCabe was very upset about this, very upset that the president would not listen to the detailed investigations that our intelligence community provided him and instead side with an enemy of this country. This is one thing. This is one aspect I've never understood about the support for, for Donald Trump as the president in that the intelligence agencies that we've had. Regardless of what people think about dark or deep state, about people in these agencies who are trying to oust him from the presidency, whatever it is, the men and women who work and and gather the intelligence in the NSA, CIA, FBI, whoever it is, they don't give a damn who the president is no. that I've I've ever seen. Yes, you you we've seen some people uh, who come out and share texts back and forth, uh, Peter Strzok and and Lisa Page, and yes, they are in higher levels, but. The idea that the men and women who are on the front lines in terms of intelligence gathering would somehow try to pull one over on the president, that's ridiculous. And the idea that he then poo-poos their information based on some of these personalities who don't like him well, he is res- frustrating. He respects Putin because Putin is uh, somebody that he would look up to the way that he rules with an iron fist. I know, but even the president said, Trump is crazy. How is that possible? One of the anecdotes was... When McCabe's wife, who was in bed a little bit with Hillary Clinton, when she lost... A little bit? She gave all kinds of money to her. Sorry. Well, I didn't want to put them physically in bed a lot of Oh, I see what you're saying. I was trying to... You're trying to soften it. Mm -hmm. Got it. That the president said to Andrew McCabe, hey, how's your wife doing? How does it feel to be a loser? Why don't you go home today and and ask her how it feels to be a loser? (laughs) Uh, the issue of the twenty. 25- <laughs> what a what a what a childish reaction well, we, to have. We knew that that was. Right. I know, That's how but he's been. Just, I just those stories to me are just insane. What well, <laughs> like what is not developed enough that you would oh, have that a, kind of? It's a it's a relationship with the father. Okay, thank you. I mean, just to psychoanalyze, not a professional. Clearly, issues with what dad expected. The way dad treated. Is that being played out with Donald Trump Jr. now and his relationship with his dad? Know. Because he kind of behaves the same way in terms of perceived slights and hitting back with, with things uh, with a greater weight than when than it needs to be called for. Well, I don't know if it's if it's a response to that or if it's just the learned behavior. Like I see oh, my dad oh, do it, okay. so I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna. Or he, you know, or he's just sticking up for his dad. I mean, there's also that. Um, the issue of the 25th Amendment came up, and obviously the 25th Amendment, there's a lot of talk around it regarding how a cabinet could determine that the president is unfit. And, you know, whatever, very, you know, whatever uh, definition that is and the process by which they go and do that, a majority of the cabinet and the vice president write a letter to the speaker and the president pro temp, and then at that moment – the vice president becomes the acting president as they determine what sort of whether or not the president is fit for office. The discussion of the 25th Amendment was was simply Rod raised the issue and discussed it with me in the context of 
thinking about how many other cabinet officials might support such an effort. I saw some headline that they had at least two cabinet members of the, at least two. I mean, at least two. You got to have a whole lot more than eight. that. You have to have eight. You, you have to have the vice president. And you have to have two thirds of Congress. You have to. That's never going to happen. Well, and you, you. The idea that even if you don't like this guy personality wise. That you would then throw a wrench into the works of an elected official being bo- boosted from office because you don't like him. That doesn't make him unfit for the presidency. You, you don't I like him. I think that some of them did not think he was and still do not think he's fit for well, the presidency. But, but you'd have some to of get... them don't like him, but I think that there is probably talk about him not being all together. By the way, this is the funniest reaction to that, is that this is somehow an illegal or unconstitutional way to remove the it president. It is not. It is not a coup. It is totally legal. By the way, it's written in the Constitution, in the Constitution <laughs> right. so that makes it constitutional. Right. If but if that, they call it a coup, then they can, they can, uh, you know, they can they weaponize it, into, it. Yeah, they turn it into something it isn't. Now, I don't, listen, Andrew McCabe was never going to do this. He also talked about Rod Rosenstein. He referenced about him there. About him, where is he and when does he have an exit? Uh, I don't know, but... This was the story about the offer to wear a wire. When we first heard it a few months ago, it turned out that Rod Rosenstein says, listen, I was totally joking, never meant it seriously. The deputy attorney general offered to wear a wire into the White House. He said, I never get searched when I go into the White House. I could easily wear a recording device. They wouldn't know it was there. Now, he was not joking. He was absolutely serious, and in fact, he brought it up in the next meeting we had. I never actually considered taking him up on the offer. I just don't know what happens to Rod Rosenstein today. What is he doing? The president tweeted a few hours ago, so many lies by now-disgraced acting FBI Director Andrew McCabe. He was fired for lying, and now his story gets even more deranged. He and Rod Rosenstein was hired by Jeff Sessions, parentheses, another beauty, Looked like they were planning a very illegal act and got caught. There's a lot of explaining to do to the millions of people who had just elected a president who they really like and who has done a great job for them with the military, vets, economy, and so much more. This was the illegal and treasonous insurance policy in full action in reference to uh, uh, some FBI chatter or at least the agents, uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, in terms of they had to have an insurance policy just in case this guy, Donald Trump, got elected. Another nugget that uh, I found entertaining was when James Comey was fired. Remember, he did not even know he was being fired. He was out at the VA in Westwood. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he sees on the televisions there, James Comey's fired. So he goes back to Washington, and the president was livid, apparently, with Andrew McCabe over James Comey taking the government plane back to Washington. He wanted to know how that happened, who made that call, and uh, to look into it. He wanted to embarrass him. He wanted to embarrass James Comey. He wanted James Comey on a spirit air flight. (laughs) He wanted him in an Uber to LAX in front of the spirit air counter saying, do you guys have any flights back to D.C. in the next 24 hours? Like the, The things that he's concerned about, like the details that he gets concerned about are interesting. Why would you concern yourself with that? Hey, we have a feel good Monday when we come back. We feel good Monday. Yeah, let's let's um, feel good Monday. I like that. Bit shine this holiday a little bit, and make it nicer. Look at us in the new presidential year.
It was President's Day. We're turning over a new leaf. Okay. We're being feel goody. Some of us are wearing shoes to work today. Some of us are not wearing shoes. By the way, you got to go check out uh, Gary and Shannon on Twitter and Instagram, right? Is that oh, Instagram? I need to put it on Instagram. Okay, put it on Instagram as well. Morgan's in for uh, for Nick today, and she apparently forgot some of her clothing. She thought she had shoes in the car. She did not. How do you think that you have shoes in the car? When it's like 45 degrees outside. I know I do not have shoes in the car. Sometimes when I wear heels to work, I, I have a steep driveway, so I will just have my heels in my purse, and I'll just go barefoot to the car. And one day... In the morning? Yeah. And one day, I was a couple blocks away when I realized I did not bring those shoes. <laughs> and I did not have shoes in the car. And I debated for longer than I should have coming to work barefoot. Like, I thought I, you know, I'll, I'll get away. You could get away with you it. You could get away with it. But I thought that you would have questions and try to remove me with the 25th Amendment. Mm. Like, if I showed up barefoot. No, I would just give you some. I would, like, I would craft bath. Uh, bathroom towels or something in you the would, form of you would socks for together. You. Well, I don't know what's on the shoes. floor in here. <laughs> Our office is probably safe. The only thing on that floor is Chardonnay. <laughs> That's the truth, actually. <laughs> uh, feel good Monday when we come back. Gary Channel will continue. And I love every little, every little, every little thing about her love. Just a little, just a little, just a little ain't enough. Gotta get up. Bit of sad news. The Navy sailor in the kiss photo. Oh, I saw that today. He died. George Mendonca died yesterday, 95 years old. He was the sailor who was kissing the woman in Times Square to celebrate the end of World War II. One of the most iconic images, I think you could say. The, the woman was Greta Zimmer Friedman. She was a dental assistant. And it was taken on August 14th, 1945, after Japan surrendered. BJ Day. It was a complete stranger. They were strangers. And he told CBS News as for what compelled him. He said, well, the excitement of the war being over. Plus, I had a few drinks. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Before that, he had gone to see a movie with his wife. And, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody busts into the theater and says, the war is over. The war is over. And then everybody is celebrating and happy and running through the streets and having a couple of pops. And then he grabs yeah. a random woman and smacks her. I remember when the whole Me Too movement was starting and this picture was called into uh, question because she was she didn't even know her. And he was like, I just kissed her. And, and, the, and the woman was interviewed and she said, I did not see him coming. And before I knew it, I was in his vice grip. And oh it's boy. like, come on. He said, can't we have point, something nice like he, this picture without any shady backstory? Of- he believed that she was also a service member. He thought that she was like a, a nurse that had served. In, yeah. In a, but it, I mean, she was a dental assistant. So it's not like I love that picture. It's a great picture. Yeah. Anyway, George Mendonca dies uh, at the age of 95. Um, so the happy stories that we wanted to tell you about were that a dog went missing in Massachusetts several months ago. Please tell me it gets better. It does. Okay. The dog was found 175 miles away. Five-year-old King Shepherd named Kaiser made his way from Ashby, Massachusetts to South Paris, Maine over a span of eight months. They were all reunited, the, the owner, the children. They used a drone to try and find kaiser it's a big dog that's like a like an all-black german shepherd is kind of what it looks like our other feel-good story feel-good monday comes to us from Kid, 
Kid gets locked in a car. Please tell me it gets better. It does. Okay. There was a group of work release inmates wearing legit black and white striped inmate scrubs. And they're out <laughs> and they're they're working on the road and they they come across this uh this this husband and wife who had just locked their their one-year-old baby in the car accidentally, put the baby in the car, then tossed the keys in, and then shut the door. Oops. Oops. Did you, did you ever do that? You ever lock your kids in the car? I'm trying to remember. My, no. I. My mom locked my brother in the laundry room one time, <laughs> and I think he got into some of the... Uh, if I remember correctly, into the soaps. Yeah, I think he got into some of the soaps. He's doing lines of <laughs> doing lines of Tide yeah. in the laundry room. <laughs> now it, this is Florida, but it wasn't very warm. It was only like 50, 55, 56 degrees outside. So the baby is, you know, the baby's okay. But you time. need to get in there. You got to get in there. True. So this group of uh, low-level criminals, Jack. Breaks into the car, essentially. Like, and you can see in the video the deputies that are in charge of these inmates just standing back and watching the de- the, the criminals in their black and white jumpsuits break into this car. Yeah. And the mom's filming it the whole time. And she's saying, thank God for you guys. Thank God for criminals. Like, she says that in the video. <laughs> it's two minutes. I mean, it's that's it. If you think about how long it would take a criminal to come into your car, to get into your car... It took them two minutes. Yeah. One guy to pull the door back just enough. Another guy stick the coat hanger and hit that uh, electronic door lock. Boom. Baby's out. Happy baby. Coming up next, the first lawsuits filed against the president's national emergency at the border have been filed. We will tell you all the things you need to know about him when we return to Gary and Shannon. Floating in outer space, have I misplaced a part of my soul? Lost in the in-between, or so it seems I'm out of control. Floating in outer space, have I misplaced a part of my soul? Lost in the in-between, but I can't keep me asleep all along. But I still feel alive. What is this? This is still feel by Gary and Shannon, lot of show to get to, even though it is a holiday. Did you hear that uh, L.A. County is going to be ripping out the uh, jail downtown and replacing it with a mental health center? And one of the supervisors voted against this because she said there's still walls, it's still a jail. People are still being denied their freedom. Sweetie, then don't commit a crime. When you commit a crime, you lose a little thing called freedom. In this country. Was that too condescending? Well, I figure it's a holiday. She's probably not at work today and not listening to the show, so it's... But, um, sweetie. Sweetheart? Is that better? (laughs) Yeah, sweetheart. That makes it better. Uh, Well, we saw the interview today. Javier Becerra saying that he is going to sue Donald Trump because all of the problems in California have been solved. So he's got this. Are you just going to dramatically sigh I just, through I just, this? This is, this is going to make me angry again. You have been elected in the state of California to do the business of the state of California. And one thing, Kate Baldwin was interviewing uh, Javier Becerra today on CNN about this lawsuit. And she asked him, I think I'm going to see if I can find that spot. She was asking him. 
a question that I thought she should have put more teeth into, but it's CNN. Not be succumbing to this type of unconstitutional activity simply to try to politically protect uh, the leader of their party. Real quick, last year you sued the president over building a wall, trying to stop any building over environmental concerns. That was the lawsuit in a nutshell. A a, A federal judge shot that down. Why do you think this time is going to be different? Okay, he goes on and explains... The question should have been, you've done this before. Are you suggesting now that the state of California is in such a place where you can bother doing things that are going to take up state resources as opposed to just doing the job that you were elected to do? Hmm. And Gavin Newsom is just patting him on the head and you're like, yeah, we're going to take this guy down. Ever since this president took office, it's been the administration versus California. That's just the way it is because of the politics, because of the way California voted. The president doesn't like California. He doesn't come here. California does not like him for the most part, at least if you're going to uh, listen to the loudest voices. So Gavin Newsom is now in this very plum spot of leading California and being able to be the face behind this fight. And he's going to use it, and he's going to use it to get bigger office. He's going to use it to get national name recognition. He really lucked into the governorship at the particular time that he did. There's an, there's an issue that I think is going to come up that, that was the problem with Democrats in Congress who wanted to challenge this law as well. You have to show standing. You have to be able Anybody to show— Anybody who's affected by it. Right. But, but that's but the you thing. Have I mean, to, it, are you affected by it? Because California, well, because for the most part, already has walls. It's the funding. It's the funding. It's, it's where he's pulling the funding from. Uh, it, it, he's pulling it out of uh, military construction budgets. He's pulling it from a counter-narcotics account that stops drugs from flowing across the border. And that's what they're going to argue. They're going to argue that the, the drug program money— by not having that here in California or not having it dispatched to California, it hurts people that live in California because more drugs will be able to seep in. That's probably going to be one of the uh, arguments, I would guess. I just I'm, – I'm frustrated by this. I, I do believe I that – I don't think the bar is that high to, to show that you're affected legally. Um, Gavin Newsom and Javier Becerra need to, to, to do this. They, they need to do California. They need to make sure that – this is the state that they're running. Well, it's the same not- reason that Garcetti needs to do Los Angeles, right? Ex- We've got freaking example. rats infesting City Hall. Like literal rats, rodents, have infested his home, his office, and yet we're not doing anything. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if you- <laughs> Well, we'll talk about the whole typhus thing. I have a, just an image of my in my head of a news conference with little things crawling all over yeah. Eric Garcetti's face. Oh, fleas, these are my friends. They're just expressing their right to exist upon my face, and, and they're giving me the gift of typhus, perhaps. Thank you for your service, Thank you for fleas. serving me with your typhus. <laughs> um, the, the governor had said, I believe, by the way, I believe it was going to be filed today. In the CNN interview, they said they was, this was going to be filed today. I don't know if they can because it's President's Day, if it's a holiday or not. Um, the, the governor did say, our message to the White House is simple. California will see you in court. That weird yeah. gravelly thing that he does. It's, um, again, I, the only word I can use I think is frustrating. It's frustrating that the governor doesn't have better things to do because he clearly does. They had a joint news conference, as you mentioned. They declined to say when they were going to file this 
this lawsuit. Uh, Javier Becerra says he needs to review the text of the president's declaration before he can say exactly what his office will do. But California will not be alone. Probably going to be several more states as well. This goes. I think this goes back to what we said at the very beginning of the show. We were looking at uh, one of the TV show uh, stations was showing people who have been protesting the uh, the national emergency declaration there in you know there in Washington D.C. taken to the streets. Granted, they don't have to work today. Got to do something, right? And uh, I don't think there's any sports on TV this morning. So, but this is the way you're going to spend your time. This is the thing that has motivated you to go out and actually do something. You can't volunteer at a shelter or hang out with your kids for a day. Or it bothers me that there. And this, I think, the correlation to the governor and the attorney general in the state of California is this is your best use of time and resources is putting together a lawsuit to file against the president. It's going to happen. Someone else is going to do it. You could join the lawsuit, just sign your name to it instead of spending the spending the money and the resources being at the forefront of all of this. Well, the L.A. County Supervisors, as I mentioned, has decided that it's going to tear down a men's central jail downtown and, and in its place build a mental health treatment facility. Isn't that nice? Looks like a jail. Smells like a jail. Must be a jail. No, 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 no. This is a place for rehabilitation. That's what they Punish- still got barred. Punishment is so 2016. <laughs> Let's rehab everybody, despite, I swear to God, you and I just did a story on this a couple weeks ago. Rehab doesn't work. It does not fix recidivism rates whatsoever. There's no difference between an inmate who goes to a rehab program and one that doesn't when it comes to recidivism. But it makes you feel better. It does not make me feel better. Gary and Shannon will continue. Whatever happened to Feel Good Monday? Shannon. All the Democrats running in 2020 are getting graded on their rollout campaigns. <laughs> and? We'll get into it. Swamp Watch. Um, we'll also, in the 1 o'clock hour, there's a couple of stories. One here in the United States, one in England, about girls who went to Syria to join ISIS. And now that that's almost the thing of the past, at least in terms of the active fighting with ISIS... They want to come back, and the one in England actually is pregnant, and there's a huge debate going on over there. Do we bring her back just for the benefit of the child, or do we just take away her, her citizenship, period, and let her let her rot out there in Syria for her stupid decision that That's she made fascinating, when isn't she it? was 15? Did she, uh, so she got pregnant by yeah. an ISIS person. Yep, and I think the, the American girl who wants to come back, or woman who wants to come home, she was married three times because you know what happens when you marry an ISIS guy? They die. So she was married three times. Are you sure they died or did, it just didn't work out? You moved on to the next ISIS guy. I don't think divorce is really a big deal in ISIS. If you don't like them, you just. I'm sorry that you're now the ISIS uh, connoisseur or uh, specialized ISIS information you have. All right. Well, if anybody has any information on ISIS divorce I'm courts or divorce right attorneys, now. let me know. ISIS divorce. Go out on a limb and say that's not divorce a Divorce on the rise 
in Iraq as wives cut ties to ISIS militants. There you go. Yeah, but that's because there's another headline. Wave of disappointed wives are divorcing ISIS thugs. Okay. Maybe the divorce is, uh, means a different word there than it does here. L.A. County supervisors quietly approved a plan last week that did not get a hell of a lot of attention. This is a plan to tear down the men's central jail. Mm, wait. Dungeon-like men's central jail. That's the L.A. Times. Right. Because jail is supposed to be like a freaking spa in Malibu, apparently, according to the L.A. Times. God to to- forbid the jail be like a dungeon. God forbid it's a deterrent not to commit crime. Wait. Shouldn't Wait. jail be a terrible place where you don't want to go so you stay on the straight and narrow? Or am I just crazy over here? Listen to your non-jailed privilege coming out. That's probably a real thing. I, I guarantee you someone says that. So instead of putting up a nicer jail, or you know, maybe one that's not a few, is, Knock a few skylights in the top to let sure, in some sunlight. Sure. They're, uh, they're just not going to put a, a, a new jail there. Instead, they're going to put a mental health treatment facility in its place. I will say this. There is clearly a need for it. Yes, there is. But don't you think it should be in addition to the jail? Yes. Yes. I feel like we're moving towards this this weird ideology, ideology where we want to take people out of prisons and put them in help centers because we feel bad for them. Some people that end up in jail slash prison were dealt a bad hand, right? And the cards that they got along the way were just terrible and got worse. Maybe they, they did grow up in a house of abuse or they were a, a victim of some kind. But there are a hell of a lot of people that are just bad people right. that need to be in jails, that need to be in dungeon-like jails so that they maybe, when they get out, decide they don't want to go back. And so they maybe quiet that bad guy side of them for a while. And some of them, I know this is also going to surprise people, some of them are bad and manipulative and will say something along the lines of, but I had a really bad childhood, and I have these feelings of mental illness. We all saw therefore... Richard Gere in Primal Fear. We know how manipulative criminals can be. That wasn't a real story. No, but it was It was a, a teaching moment. Right. Well, I mean, we also all saw Godzilla, but that doesn't mean that I fear a you know, nuclear-radiated sea creature coming to... Never mind. This $2.2 billion proposal would create the Consolidated Correctional Treatment Facility. It was supposed to house 3,885 inmate patients in what they said was a rehab-focused center in what would have been the footprint of the central jail, which was built way back in the 60s. Listen to this quote. So a couple supervisors opposed this, two of them. And you're thinking to yourself, well, hell, I would have opposed it. But it's not for the reason that you're thinking. It's because the mental health treatment center is still too much like a jail. There's, it's too big, they argued. <laughs> they, this was the quote from Hilda Solis. It's still a jail. It's still walls. It's still preventing people from having freedom. Freedom. Sweetheart. You give up freedom when you commit a crime in this country. That's the give and take. That's the gamble you make when you're going to commit a crime. 
Sheila Kuehl says that if this new project, if it contains even close to the original number of beds, would house a larger number of people than all the county hospitals combined. What is that? Is that a bad thing? I don't even know what that means. It, yes, she, so she can count. But does that mean that that's a bad thing? I think what they're looking for, I think Sheila Kuehl and Hilda Solis are looking for more of like a, a bed and breakfast type oh, place. Oh, I see. Maybe something, a boutique hotel, like a Kimpton. Ever say it a Kimpton? They're nice. They're small, not as many rooms. There's, one uh, there's, Beach, there's nice touches in the lobby. They have uh, water with, with lemon in it. Mm-hmm. Maybe water with some infused parsley. The one I went to helps had, with metabolism. They had ping pong tables and bikes ping pong that, you, tables could, and that bikes. you could rent. Exactly what they're looking for. You don't want to go to a Hyatt with all of those rooms. It's like a jail. You want to go. You know, that's a good point. There are walls in the Hyatt. There are walls, in. and it impedes your freedom. This Nothing means, against Hyatt, by the way. This, Hyatt's a great chain. <laughs> this board action from last week means the Consolidated Correctional Treatment Facility will no longer be built. Um, and they say that this is the paradigm shift in the treatment of inmates. No, it is, is not. This is the problem is that you're, you're doing the same thing here with this story about inmates and jail life that we've done with uh, the, the homelessness issue in the city of Los Angeles. If you keep saying, if you keep putting everyone under one umbrella and saying that they're all inmates, you're never going to solve the problem. Yeah, I totally agree. You've got to have a specific way, a specific facility maybe even, to handle people who get into the system who should be receiving significant mental health treatment. But the same thing with the homeless people. You can't just say... Everyone's got to go into a halfway house because they want to, because not everybody wants to. 19 days ago, we did a story on a study that came out of the Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation in this state. And this study found, despite increased funding for rehab, recidivism rates remains remains stubbornly high. 50% over the past decade, even as the inmate population has dropped because they said our prisons were overcrowded. Even though there has been a huge increase in the amount of of funding that we've thrown at rehab programs, it has not touched the recidivism rate. The rehab thing is not working. They're not doing it correctly. There's a group called Just Leadership USA. I don't think I've ever heard of them before. But they're an organization dedicated to reducing the jail population. I think I would belong to that organization. I don't want to see more people going to jail, but but because I don't want more people committing crimes. Right. You don't want to just reduce – you don't want to just open up the door and let 50 people out every Tuesday and Thursday. I don't want to change the definition of crime. Yeah. I think I'm pretty comfortable with where the line is right now. So I don't – I think we should lower our prison population I don't want more jails. I don't want more jails. Do I want to build more jails? No. But – when you're having more people commit crimes, you can't just then, like you said, change the definition of a crime and let them be free. I do believe we will at some point be criticized for letting our non-incarcerated privilege show. I know. I've been incarcerated. I was arrested at Disneyland. I was arrested at Dodger oh my Stadium. God. You just made it even worse. Well, I was. I was arrested at Disneyland. I was in the Disneyland cell. It's a hard knock life, lady. It's a real cell, by the way. There's a real cell? Yes. Yeah. With bars and a lock, it is a legit cell. Is it in the Pirates of the Caribbean right now? They put her in a cell right next to a hamburglar. It's behind (laughs) Space Mountain. 
through a through a door you didn't even know was there, Amy. I didn't. So there. You did was it, it like a dungeon? I've had yeah. brush-ups. It was. It was dark. There were no windows. It was almost, there were walls. It was almost there were walls. bad as uh, Folsom back in the day. She did a dime at Disneyland Listen, Prison. you don't know what that's like. Like all 10 minutes of it. I was in there for over an hour. <laughs> that's, that's a win. You win. We just want to get Not good news for Jesse Smollett as the police investigation into his attack in Chicago takes a turn. Looks like the two attackers that were booked for battery have sung like canaries and say that Jesse paid them to stage this attack. The um, the attorney carousel apparently continues as well. He's added yet another. Jesse Smollett has added another attorney to the uh, to the mix now. And she told a news agency today that. There are no plans for Jesse to go back in and be interviewed today, but that the attorneys will continue to speak on his behalf with the investigators. That's not how that works. Well, according to her, that's going to be the best option for him. So he's not going to cooperate anymore. It's not a good thing. I mean, again, this is a felony. He could, he's looking at three years for filing a false police report. In the uh, 1 o'clock hour, we're going to talk more about the Oscars coming up on Sunday. And I know that a lot of people have already poo-pooed them and said this is, you know, they don't watch them anymore. Are you going to have an Oscars party? An Oscars party? No. Did you want to come over and watch the Oscars? No. You just ask. Okay. You don't have to ask if I'm having a party party? and be like, oh, well, who are you inviting? (laughs) You could just say, hey, I should bring over a bottle of wine and we can watch the Oscars. That sounds like fun. Um but we'll start at, like, I don't want to start watching it until, like, 6.30 or something. I don't want to watch any of the riffraff. through the commercials yeah. and stuff. Uh, anyway, well, we'll talk about the Oscars. There have been a series of missteps on behalf of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And even this week, they have screwed things up going up, uh, going into the, uh, into the ceremony to be televised on Sunday. So we'll talk about that in the 1 o'clock hour. On Friday, if you were anywhere near L.A. City Hall, you may have seen the not one, not two, not three, but six pest control trucks parked outside of City Hall. <laughs> Last week, L.A. City Council President Herb Wesson brought up the idea of bringing in an army of cats to take care of the rodent problem at City Hall. Like, the leaders of Los Angeles are flailing in the wind over what to do with the flea infestation, the typhus, and the rats that have gripped portions of downtown Los Angeles. Shouldn't no- someone know how to deal with this? And he sa- he goes to an army of cats. That's his idea, bringing a bunch of cats. Now, you know, oh. they tried that in New York, and it didn't work. Here's oh. the thing, though. There's a woman who runs the Voices, or excuse me, Voice for the Animals Foundation, okay? And she says, she's been doing this for two decades. She has placed hundreds of unsocialized cats on rodent patrol at very, very many locations. She says it has never not worked. She's done this at the downtown Flower Mart. (laughs) 
She's done it at three Los Angeles police stations. Couple couple takeaways from that. Number one, who knew that the police stations were overrun with rodents? That never got to the news cycle. Nope. And number two, are they really going to put a bunch of cats in City Hall? I think that would be fun. She says the rodents just smell the cats, yeah, and it's and enough leave. for them to take off. I would totally agree. But then or, where do they go? Or uh, <laughs> uh, they go to Orange County? And if the cats do get the rodents, do the cats get typhus and that stuff, too? That's my question. That's, that can't be good. That cannot be good. You're putting all those unsocialized cats' healths in jeopardy. And who's going to socialize the cats? Amy, you like cats. <laughs> Not typhus-infected cats. No, but unsocialized, does that just mean feral cats? Mm-hmm. You, typhus, you can vaccinate a cat against typhus. So we're going to vaccinate okay. all those cats. What if you cats... vaccinate a bunch of cats and won't let you touch them? What if the cats don't believe in vaccinations? <laughs> you're going to they're you're conscientious impose objectors. the vaccination on those cats. Why don't we just instead of cats, let's just go with Scottish terriers, big barking Scottish terriers. That's got to be the same thing. They'll, they don't want to be around Scottish terriers. The Scottish terriers are fantastic ratters. There have been several rodent sightings in civic center offices oh since last summer. The city's pest control contractor began setting traps, filling rodent holes and walls, among other things. A deputy city attorney, Liz Greenwood, says she got typhus last November because she was bitten inside City Hall East. Could you imagine that? Well, typhus itself, I mean, I don't know how long it stays with you. It's going to cause flu-like symptoms, so it's going to be a hassle. Rare cases, it can actually be fatal. Um, Typhus should not be a concern when you go to work in Los Angeles at City Hall. 2019. Right. So the question is, why is it happening? Why are we seeing more typhus over the course of the last 10, 11 years? And clearly one of the issues is homelessness. We've seen ridiculous amounts of trash in parts of L.A. to to the point where we look like a third world country. I mean, the amount of trash in some of these neighborhoods in L.A. is incredible. When you think about it. And I don't know if it's just a matter of that slow creep where people have just gotten used to it and just kind of forgotten about it. Eric Garcetti supposedly was confronted about it back in uh, October when uh, our friend Joel Grover came to him and said, listen, uh, Mayor Garbage Pants, it looks like there's more trash in the streets than than any time since there was open sewage in L.A. So. What do we do about it? And he said that we were going to have more trash runs. We're going to have more people coming in and picking up trash in these areas. And it hasn't happened. Climate change is another reason, they say, because global warming allows longer and warmer spring and summer seasons. And that's more hospitable to insects to allow them to reproduce more. Perfect time storm. Out. Perfect storm. But time out. Let's go back to the reason that we have the fleas is because they're on the rats that are eating the trash. You can't just say it's global warming all by itself. That that may be a secondary factor, but the trash and the rats are really the reason why it's there in the first place. I've been doing a bit of reading on unsocialized cats. <laughs> and there's a, there's a movie in here. There's an animated movie in here. Unsocialized cats, as you can imagine, are generally not adopted. Why? You know, you go to the shelter and you yeah. see a crazy-ass cat climbing the walls, bouncing around. And you're probably not going to take him home to to hang out with your kids. And these are the cats that are more susceptible to euthanization because they're not adopted unless they're getting working assignments. 
there, like the like the woman I told you about, there are places that employ these cats for this very thing. And when you get a working assignment as a unsocialized cat, you get to stay alive. Oh. You made it very dire, but they have to kill the rats in order to stay alive. Yeah, that's no, a dark they just have to, story. They just have to change. Good God! It's listen. Either you kill every, the rats, or we kill you. Every Disney movie has a little bit of truth. Not recent not that ones. Much. Well, here's the thing: the cats don't have to kill the rats. Remember, they just show up, and then the rats take off because they smell the the cat. How do they communicate the stipulations of this agreement to the cat? The cat just, read it to him, Blake. The cat, okay, so the cat sees, when the cat is in the shelter, it sees its other unsocialized friends right. getting euthanized. And then oh. somebody comes in and says, you are a working cat. And that cat suddenly realizes that he's been given new life, new lease on life. You said it was going to get better. <laughs> There's a story in there somewhere, guys. Well, we'll work on it. We're still spitballing the whole, Amy? Uh, the whole write-up on yeah. this. But... Don't you think? Mm, yeah. I think the cats can figure that out. You guys trust these cats a whole lot more than I do. Did you know this, Shannon? Huh? They have cats at Disneyland. They what? do. Mm-hmm. They run all around the place, bud. Yep. They're, Seriously? They're feral cats, and they keep the rodent population See, they're under working control. cats, which means they get to live. Every once in a while you see one. Most of the time you don't see them during the day. I don't know if they do it on purpose, but uh, mm-hmm. you see, um, I've seen them at like ballparks and stuff, but Knott's Berry Farm. I see them running around all over the place at Knott's Berry Farm. Working cats. There is a website called DisneylandCats.com. I'm going to be busy for a couple of minutes. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Amy, I'm telling you, it's a Google hole that is a fun <laughs> one to go down. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, Monday, it's February 18th. Not quite sure if Jussie Smollett is going to talk with Chicago police today. They have said that they want to uh, continue their investigation. They have some follow-up interviews is the way that they put it. But two brothers that had originally been taken into custody have been released because information that they gave police had definitely changed the narrative. Um, you remember the story of Danielle Watts? Oh, the name's ringing a bell. Django but I... Unchained. And she was stopped by the cops yes. down on Ventura Boulevard. Yes. And claimed that they were racist and aggressive. And then and... the cop released the video of it where he's totally respectful and it gave it to TMZ and then they fired him for yeah. releasing it. Well, just it's on uh, that came to my mind just in terms of it being. It does such a disservice to people who are treated unfairly. We're because... truly victimized. Right. There are a lot of celebrities, by the way, who came to Jesse Smollett's defense right away, and they have mysteriously deleted all of yeah, their tweets been and very quiet social since. media posts. Hey, the grapevine's back open. So oh, good. Go. There you go. I knew that uh, I-5 had been closed over the grapevine. They were they were escorting people southbound, but then northbound they was shut down. At, they'd moved it up to the 138, but still were keeping people from going over the summit, so now it's open. Back 50, open. 15 is open again as well. I was going to say, they had some problems there uh, at State Line. All right. Morgan found a fantastic story. Who? Morgan. Who? Oh, I get it. Morgan found a fantastic story about owls. Who? They're apparently... 
She just got it too. Is a, <laughs> there apparently is a group of rare owls. Uh, I think you mean a parliament of owls. Oh, look at you. I love it when people know all those terms. So I can throw anything at you? Geese. Gander. Pelicans. Party. Rodents. Rickshaw. Duck-billed horn tortoises. Mm. I see what you're doing there. You're trying to stump me. That's called a group. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a parliament of rare owls is apparently thriving. And this is in a nature preserve next to LAX. Ten burrowing owls, the most seen at the LAX Dunes Preserve in 40 years. Among the raptors are a breeding pair that stand guard over a nest. Pete Bloom is a biologist and avian expert who says this is very exciting, a real stunner. You don't seem to be like you care at all about these owls, Hoffman. I'm just double-checking my goose thing. Oh. Isn't it a flock of geese? Well, it depends. Are they flying or are they just sitting? Well, what is it? If they're flying, it's a flock? No, if they're flying, it's a skein. A skein. And if they're sitting, it's a flock, huh? Yes, or a gaggle. What about ducks? What about them? What is their... Uh, are they... Their group Again, name? are they they're, they're on swimming. land? They're swimming. They're swimming? They're called a bunch. And if they're on land? A flock. If they're flying? Also a skein, but it can be a team or a string as well. Who came up with all of those? French people. Anyway, the owls. Back to the owls. An ecological hotspot. Okay. It's odd that it's there, right? Because there's the beach right there, uh, Surf Ridge, and then there's LAX. And it's sandwiched right there in between those two things. I also don't like the whole idea of owls slash birds next to the airport. It's not good, uh, right? Oh, I see what it's you're saying. It's not good. Yes. But but why are they? I mean, they're there because there's food there, right? They're not there for the view. They like to watch the planes. No. That is not the case when it comes to owls. Uh, so there's you just imagine there's got to be food there. So It's already home to 900 species of plants and animals, including thousands of federally endangered El Segundo blue butterflies. Do you know what you call a group of butterflies? No. A bivouac. What about gnat catchers? Is that a bird? No, actually, I think it's a plant. Oh. plant. Well, a, a gnat yeah, would be sure. me, a group I'm of gnats would be a cloud. California gnat catcher. We learn so much on this show. Content. That's what we do. That's what we do. Content. It's a bird, a California gnat catcher. Oh, okay. So look that up. Well, a bird is just, I mean. Oh, there's not specific ones for different birds? I don't think so. It's usually just a flock or a flight or a pod even, but but nothing out of the ordinary. Gnat catchers are endangered. We'll do trending when we come. Oh, my gosh. Nesting attempts often fail partly because of cow bird parasitism. Guess who took their wiener out? The New York State Department of Corrections. That's good. Gary and Shannon will continue. Have you worked on that all morning? That just came to me. 
That was good. Gary and Shannon. 12.30, we have a lot to get to with Swamp Watch. Talk a little bit about last night's 60 Minutes interview with Andrew McCabe. Talk about the president's response to all of this. The ongoing court battles, or I should say new court battles, but that will go on for some time over the declaration of national emergency in an attempt to get some money for the uh, border wall. Have you also seen this? This cropped up over the weekend. Police are warning about a game that urges kids to go missing for two days. Yeah, the 48-hour challenge yeah, or something. Not tell anybody where they went. Why? So that their name will then trend when you search for the oh, name. Oh, for the love. Hey, Shannon Farron's been missing. Parents are really worried. People start posting social media. Hey, have you seen this woman? That sort of thing. My, that- par- my parents would be like, God, it's about time. They call all of their friends and they go, listen, we're just trying to keep this on the download. So, What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Southwest Airlines has declared an operational emergency. It did so on Friday because there is an unusually high number of aircraft that have been taken out of service. It's doubled to about 40 per day, about 5% of the fleet. They... Were part of the problem is that they had to inspect engine fuel pump filter seals, of course, and everybody knows where that is. Uh, and 22 of those planes that get back in service, but the airline called for all hands on deck. Southwest says they're trying to minimize any impact to any of the travelers or all of the travelers, I guess, because this is basically affecting their whole fleet. Once you have a very small ripple, it can turn into something much bigger. You're a pilot. These engine fuel pump filter seals, how yeah. big of a deal is that? Uh, well, on a 737, uh, there's probably two of them because there's two engines. And fuel pumps, I'd probably imagine there's t- two or three. So there's a problem. George Mendonca may have known the answer to that question. I don't know. World War II veteran. He was the sailor that was kissing the nurse in that iconic photo when Japan surrendered at the end of World War II. He's died. He was 95 years old, died yesterday in Rhode Island. He would have turned 96 tomorrow. Oh. Now, the thing about George Mendonca is not that he, I mean, he died in a rest home, I think, his, alongside his wife of 70 years. They'd been in a rest home in Maryland for some time. The story of the picture, at least his story, is pretty fun in that he and his wife he's in full uniform he and his wife go to a movie that day and on august 14th 1945 and somebody busts into the movie theater and yells out the war is over and everybody just streamed out into the streets and there was celebration and he said he had a couple of pops and basically grabbed a woman not his wife uh who he thought she was also a service member because she was dressed in her full new nurse's outfit. She was a dental assistant or whatever. So He said he was so swept up in the moment that when he saw the young nurse, he felt compelled to kiss her. There are other people who have claimed to be the guy in the picture. and But at least in terms of the general 
belief they believe it was George Mendonca, but you know, half a dozen other people said that they did the exact same thing that exact same day, and it's probably them. Well, a guy in New York, a, a professor, says that he has recovered his 30-year-old Apple computer. It's still in working order. It's the Apple IIe, and he says that he put in an old game disc, and it asked if I wanted to restore a saved game, <laughs> and it found one. He said, it must be 30 years old. It's like I'm 10 years old again. I could totally see this. I, My parents keep everything. Yeah. Did they have one of these? Uh, they don't have an Apple. We never, we never, you know, spent big like that. But we did have a couple of Texas Instruments 99 4As. Oh, yeah. And there are, I guarantee you, they're in there somewhere. Those, those boxes and the games and everything that we had, they're in there somewhere. I can't imagine that feeling of going back to turning that thing on and hearing the sounds yes. and the, the disc drive. It would as it, totally as it F with through. your head, wouldn't it? Man, that would be crazy. That would be insanity. Yeah. Hey, uh, horrible Marvel news. If you were a fan of the Jessica Jones series on Netflix, they've canceled it. I was a big fan of the first season, and then the second season, I kind of stopped watching it. Is it because you saw yourself with dyed black hair the whole time? Yes. Um, but they still are going to air Jessica Jones season three, they said. Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Daredevil were all given the chop last year by Netflix. But listen, those in terms of the product that they put out, I, I never saw The Punisher, so I can't make a judgment on that. But all of those others were relatively good shows, and they were proof that you could have a, a production house like Netflix put together very good product in that case. Golden Girls themed cruise is happening. It is going to set sail next year. How much fun is this going to be? Five night cruise. It departs from Miami. Miami is nice, so I'll say it twice. Miami. That was a song that Sophia and Dorothy wrote for a contest. I'm amazed at your knowledge of this show. I I couldn't tell you anything other than Estelle Getty and Betty White were on the show. My grandmother loved the show. And I, I mean, I'll watch reruns of this anytime. It's going to stop at uh, Key West and Cozumel next February. And, and these women are not on the cruise. No, they're dead except not for Betty White. I think she's the only survivor. I think Estelle Getty's still alive. Isn't she? Uh, no, I think I think no, she died a long she's time ago. Dead. What do you mean a long? Uh, time? B. Arthur, is she still alive? She's no, alive. she died too. She's dead. I think Rue McClanahan was the first one who died. Yeah, she oh. died. Uh, I just read something about her. They're going to do a show about autopsies of celebrities. Ew. I know. And she's one of the, the first ones. And they said that she was battling some debilitating illnesses when she died. It's like, do we really need to dig into people's autopsies let's for do, crying out loud? Man, let's do something happier, please. Good Lord. We keep trying to do stuff happy here, and then we get caught up with well, we could talk typhus about, and owls. We could talk and, about the owls. No, we're not talking about the owls anymore. February 18th. Okay, Dad. National Drink Wine Day. Oh, that's something I can get Today? behind. Today. Thank God. Do not confuse this with May 25th. Just right now, carve this out in your calendar. May 25th is National Wine Day. Promoting a love of wine and the health benefits that come from drinking wine. A glass of wine can reduce some risks of heart disease. A glass of wine a day. But today is the day that you actually drink wine. What? National Drink Wine Day. 
on National Wine Day, are you supposed to just stare at the bottle? You just get it. Just get okay. the wine. I think we just need as many excuses for days to drink wine as possible. <laughs> and that's why we have several different Sometime wine in August, days. it's like finish the bottle day. Someday, sometimes <laughs> it's like day that ends in a Y. Or just uncork a bottle of wine day. And then whatever happens after that, hey, it's up to you. You're an adult. We've got Anthony Wiener News when we come back. Friend of the show. Mm. Would we say friend? Is he on our enemies list? Right, uh, right next to Yelp? Well... We thought we were going to get some correspondence back after we sent our letter to him. Oh, right. We did send And we didn't. So You wanted some nudes or something? Well, no. I just wanted acknowledgement that um, he went to prison and we didn't. He made fun of our show when we met him. I have a lot of bad words lined up ready to speak. He called me old as well, (laughs) which didn't make any sense. We'll explain that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Nothing, nothing, nothing gonna save us now. Gary and Shannon coming up at the bottom of the hour. We will get you caught up on all the latest news coming out of Washington. The president not happy with that sixty. Minutes interview Andrew McCabe did last night. Also, the uh, lawmakers from both sides continue to fight back against the national emergency declaration that the president signed to get money to put into a border wall. Ali Rogan's going to join us to talk more about what's been going on, members of Congress, and what reaction they're going to have to it. Anthony Weiner, of course, Democrat, resigned from Congress in 2011 after he admitted engaging in lewd online behavior. Tried to resurrect his career by running for mayor in 2013. Wife, Huma Abedin, Hillary Clinton's number one person. If you haven't seen the movie Wiener and you want to be uncomfortable for an hour and 20 minutes, check it out. Because this marriage is not that. It is the, the what I remember is how bad this marriage was how she looked at him with just utter disgust and he is a narcissist with a capital n uh the sexting scandal that got him involved uh, that got him in prison also had a significant impact on well, it's the reason the why hillary, hillary clinton lost probably the hillary clinton campaign i was gonna it say it was be- a month before the election when james comey said he was reopening the investigation because while they were investigating anthony weiner sexting with a 15 year old they came across huma abedin and hillary clinton using personal email addresses do you remember his defenses to all of these things that he was pranked did you send the tweet is that a photograph of you and why not call for an investigation? The answer is I did not send that ah. tweet. It, my system was hacked. I was pranked. It mm-hmm. was a fairly common one. People make fun of my name all the time. When you name Wiener, it, it, you kind of get that. <laughs> I've asked a firm to take a look at this. They're hiring an Internet security operation. We want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Just, just the, the utter disdain that this guy has for the actual truth. He's terrible. For his wife, because he kept doing this. The, the prison time now is the explicit pictures that he was exchanging in 2016 with a 15-year-old girl. He was supposed to serve a 21-month sentence but was granted an early release for good behavior. So he did 15 months, and now he's in a reentry center slash halfway house in Brooklyn. Uh, I remember 
not to say that I'm Nostradamus, but it was pretty prescient when he sat down with us in Philadelphia. And I said to him, can I see your phone? I see the pictures on your phone. I also want to point out something. I've just thought of this. He he said, go on. Well, they're mostly just pictures of my son. Which, if you remember the offending picture, it was a picture of his son that was sleeping right next to his genitals. They, he was wearing, like, boxer briefs right. or something, and you could clearly see the outline of the genitals with the kids sleeping right next to him that he was sending to women. So, he, theor- theoretically, he was telling the truth. He was on, I was on the right line of questioning. Right. He, he didn't lie. He just said – he just omitted the fact that his genitals were also in the pictures. Which I would have expected him to do. I mean, it's a whole I, creepy thing sexting people with your kid in the picture sleeping. Your kid, kid's like two or something at that time. Yeah, I can't think of a better, <laughs> better description of a horrible say? father. Yeah, oh, I was gonna say. Uh, so he spoke to us again. We're when we set up at the Democratic National Convention. We were amongst. I mean, we're basically in a a specific area of the concourse where there were what 20 different radio shows from around the country a whole a couple of tables worth of abc reporters that were up there as well and we're all busy and we're grabbing people as they're walking by and members of congress from our local uh delegation whatever it is he walks by and i said nobody says anything except shannon goes hey that's elliot spitzer No, actually, that's. I think that's Anthony that, Weiner. I keep those names in a part of my oh, brain. They're, yeah, uh, they're on the same team, clearly. Guys, yeah. uh, so Oscar runs him down and gets him back there. We were probably the only ones to we, talk Nobody to him. knew who he was. Nobody, nobody cared. cared. He was wearing salmon pants, uh. and I outweighed him. He Remember how thin he was? Oh, yes. He was just, he looked like he hadn't had a carb uh, in a couple years. It, he, he was frenetic. Almost weird energy. Oh, yeah. Like, I think. Like he's on the keto diet? He was clearly nervous. <laughs> he's, he's ketogenic. Uh, he's clearly nervous yeah. as he's walking into this place because he knows the reputation he has. And amongst the higher ups in the Democratic Party, he's clearly a recognizable face. Yeah. And his wife at the time, I mean, they're still technically, I think, married, Huma Abedin, is is. Hillary Clinton's right-hand woman. I mean, right. she is. And this was their biggest stage. This, this was their launching period. And I bet you there was a there was a point where Huma said, "Don't come. don't you dare show up anywhere what in the state of Philadelphia." There? What was he doing there? And furthermore, why would you sit down with us and talk? Because he while thought, you know you're still engaging in shady genital sharing pictures. I guess if if you were to ask him, then he would. And you you said it like this. What's going to happen first? You go to prison for sexting a teenage girl or the end of the Gary and Shannon show. Right. And he clearly would he clearly would have put money on the fact that we would be out of a job before that. What's next for you? I mean, you've got to get back into something. You're going to miss the How do I possibly overcome anything bigger than KFI AM 640 with 
with the Gary and Shannon show. Now, <laughs> what a, now, what a total D. Yeah. And the reason he even knows who we are or what the station is is because he looks up at the little flag that's above our table so that people can see who we are. <laughs> How and can I possibly get better or get bigger than where I am right yeah. now with your okay. little show? All right. You keep walking down that hallway with nobody recognizing you to the all-gender bathroom where yeah. someone's going to pee on your shoes because yeah, you're an apple. Go take more pictures of your genitals in the all-gender bathroom, you sick. And we tried. Listen, we, we extended the olive branch when he was in the Federal Medical Center, Devons, in Ayer, Massachusetts. We, we, wrote, him we wrote him a letter and said, you remember, you gave us a few minutes in Philadelphia. You were a giant a-hole at the time, but we still spoke with you. We were the only ones who gave you a moment of oxygen in that whole building. To be fair, we were not entirely sweet to him. I mean, I'm asking him the question of what are you going to do next because you need attention was the question. And he knew that. <laughs> like, what are you going to do because you're a freaking narcissist and you need to have attention? Yes, wow. mix in a cheeseburger. Yeah. Grains and sugars. Just start adding those into your... All right, when we come back, get into Swamp Watch, talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. Next hour, an update on the Chelsea Smollett case and those two ISIS fighters, those women who went to Syria, are now trying to come back home, one to the United States and one to Great Britain. We'll talk about their if, arguments if they were as not, to why they if should If they were come not back. women, we wouldn't be considering this. No, not at all. I but, totally agree with you. you know, in 2019, maybe, maybe we treat women the way we treat men. Why are we considering this? Just because they're women? Yeah. It's a little paternalistic, isn't it? Oh, look at you fighting for the man. Gary and Shannon will continue after this. Don't you worry, baby. No sis trying to change it. I'm going to strike these matches. Never had control. I'm ready to let go. No, was I feeling myself? I'm going to spread Gary and Shannon. The Oscars is a total S show, and it hasn't even begun yet. Uh, there have been missed turns at every juncture here, and we will run all those down for you coming up in about an hour. Kind of excited to see what can go wrong between now and Sunday night. Me too. Uh, we'll also talk next hour about the story of a couple of women who have made their way to or had made their way to Syria to join ISIS and become the wives of some of the ISIS fighters. And then they said, you know what, Uh, it's time to come home, Uh, except the United States doesn't want them, Britain doesn't want them. We'll talk about that 1 o'clock hour. But 1230 means we head to Washington. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. It looks like reaction to the president's national emergency declaration continue to pour in. Ali Rogan is on Capitol Hill and joins us with the latest. Ali, what's going on? Hey, Gary and Shannon. Yeah, there have been protests all over the country today. They're continuing throughout the day. People using the holiday of President's Day to protest President Trump's desired border wall. There were folks outside the White House today speaking out against this plan, saying they are going to challenge him, uh, urge their members of Congress to challenge the president and go out into the street and, and speak out about this. So this is some of the 
public outcry you're hearing about this, and certainly Congress. Um, we expect to see Congress hold some sort of a vote on disapproving of the president's national emergency, and also uh, some state attorneys general are going to begin filing lawsuits against the administration, beginning with uh, California Attorney General Javier Becerra, who's going to be joined by several other states in their suit against the president. So all of this is happening in very short order. I think you're seeing a little bit of a delay on some of the official movements because of the holiday, but nobody is wasting any time trying to rebuke the president over this. Um, Can you talk about the process by which Congress would be able to terminate a declaration like this? Yeah. So Congress, as part of the whole national emergencies process, the president is allowed to declare a national emergency, and there are very few restrictions over what constitutes such an emergency and what he can do after he declares one. However, one of the backstops is Congress's ability to issue what is called a resolution of termination. That needs to pass both chambers of Congress. Obviously, that's how bills become laws. But then, like most other bills, this has to get the president's signature. The president is likely to veto it because, of course, he wants this national emergency to continue. So he would likely veto it. And then the calculation is that there's just not enough votes from Republicans in order to override this veto. There are enough votes, including Republicans, to rebuke the president and send this resolution to his desk in the first place, but there's simply not enough to override the president's own judgment on it. Yeah, you need two-thirds in each chamber, and that's just not going to be doable in the Senate. Um, so yeah. in terms of the the declaration making its way through the court system, as I understand it, you just have to show you are affected by this to have standing in the courts. So I'm assuming that the argument is going to be something centered around the fact that he's getting funding from the military budget. He's getting funding from uh, anti-narcotics programs, uh, uh, drugs coming across the border, that that would be where the legal argument would lie. That's exactly right. Becerra said over the weekend, the California attorney general, that he believes he has eight billion reasons why his lawsuit would have standing. And that eight billion he's referring to is the dollars that the administration says they're going to be able to redirect from existing programs to pay for this wall. Some of the most controversial aspects of those payments are from military construction accounts. Those are projects paid for by the Department of Defense all around the country for things like repairs, upgrading facilities for our soldiers, training facilities, things like helicopter training and marksmanship. We heard some lawmakers over the weekend discussing. So these are, number one, things that pertain directly to national security, and number two, are located in the congressional district of uh, an indiscriminate array of lawmakers. So this These are pots of money that have a lot of people kind of jealously guarding them, and they're also for projects that are largely considered very popular and very necessary. And given that a lot of people don't even agree with the premise of the declaration of a national emergency in this case, they're particularly incensed that the president is seeking to redirect funds that have been allocated for American national security. So would the courts then rule on that aspect or would they address the larger issue of 
who has more of a constitutional right? Is it the president's constitutional right to issue this emergency declaration, or is it Congress's constitutional right to control the purse strings? Well, look, I am no legal expert or constitutional law expert, but my layman's understanding of this is that these lower courts may begin by considering simply the premise under which the plaintiffs bring in the case. But then, of course, the Trump administration would appeal and appeal again if the ruling is not satisfactory. And even the president acknowledged that it's possible that this will go all the way up to the Supreme Court, where then, I believe, just in my basic schoolhouse rock knowledge of (laughs) uh, court procedure, they consider the constitutionality. And these are giant questions of constitutional authority that we are considering at the base of all of this because Congress did grant the president sweeping powers to declare national emergencies. But up until this point, there's been a lot of self-restraint on the parts of presidents not to do anything that would be seen as abusing this authority. This is what a lot of people on both the Democratic and Republican side believe the president is doing, abusing this authority, not exercising the restraint of previous presidents. So we are in unprecedented constitutional territory. That's something that many people acknowledge, regardless of what side of the issue you're on. And so it is likely that this will ultimately be adjudicated in the Supreme Court, but their session is already almost halfway done, and they adjourn in July. So whether it's going to get to them by then or we'll have to wait for another Supreme Court term, that just has the potential to push any decision on this even further. Four years have passed. It's time again to stage the main event. Oh, I love Schoolhouse Rock, Allie. Thank you for bringing that up again. <laughs> Great stuff. Appreciate it, Allie. <laughs> Allie Rogan there. You bet the latest uh, out of Washington, D.C. and what's been going on. This is going to be one of those that it, it clearly has to go to the Supreme Court. I yeah. think that's just the final destination for it. And they can request that it goes straight to the Supreme Court. So um, get some resolution here is what I think would, would, would benefit everybody, perhaps. All right, we'll come back, talk more about the big interview from last night, 60 Minutes and Andrew McCabe, and why it is he was uh, saying that Rod Rosenstein did offer to wear a wire into the White twice into the White House. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, uh, looks like things just got worse for Jesse Smollett. It looks like they rehearsed the attack. And there are details from the brothers about said rehearsal. So we'll get all the latest. We'll go live to Chicago coming up after Amy's news at the top of the hour. Got to play this for you because I found this again from the Good Morning America interview that he did with Robin Roberts. This is, again, is Jesse Smollett talking about the attack that he says happened to him at the end of January. Uh, Where'd it go? Uh, Hold on a second. I have to turn it up. My fault. Sorry, Blake. My fault. I will never be the man that this did not happen to. (laughs) I'm going to play it again for you. I'm going to play it again. I will never be the man that this did not happen to. You know, I didn't know that he was that kind of guy until I saw the Robin Roberts interview, the kind of guy who, like, refers to himself in the third person and is, like, his own number one fan and and just acts like he's a much bigger deal than he is. I didn't know he was that guy because on the show he plays, like, a really cool character, you know, and you kind of of 
put people in in those lanes, right? You assume that they are like their character. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that's not the case. It's not to be the case. No. All right, we're in the middle of uh, Swamp Watch, talking about what's going, been going on in Washington D.C. Um, the one of the big deals was one that we started with last week. We found out information about Andrew McCabe, the former deputy director of the FBI was going to sit down for an interview with 60 Minutes. Yes, he's pushing a book, but he explains what it is that he believed about the president and the reason for opening a counterintelligence investigation into whether or not the president was in league with Russia uh, and would potentially be a national security threat in all of this. I didn't have much to contribute, to be perfectly honest, in that uh, conversation, so I listened to what he had to say. Um, But to be fair, it was an unbelievably stressful time. I can't even describe for you how many things must have been coursing through the deputy attorney general's mind at that point. He's talking about Rod Rosenstein and whether or not he was going to wear a wire, because according to McCabe, That is exactly what Rod Rosenstein did a couple of times. The deputy attorney general offered to wear a wire into the White House. He said, I never get searched when I go into the White House. I could easily wear a recording device. They wouldn't know it was there. Now, he was not joking. He was absolutely serious. And in fact, he brought it up in the next meeting we had. I never actually considered taking him up on the offer. Okay. Here's the thing. Um... It's in Andrew McCabe's best interest to not be the only guy that was calling for this whole 25th Amendment removal. Right. So he's got to have a corroborating partner in it. He's got to have another name that he can drop, and it's Mm -hmm. Rod Rosenstein's. Here's the thing that I think is important. Was that conversation an offhanded conversation? Like, you and I are walking down the hallway, and we're like, oh, man, we got to get— Because we often go— 25th Amendment. We got to get we got to get Robin out of office. You know, we got to use the 25th Amendment. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You know, like a joke. Right. Or was this like a formal meeting? We're going to have it on Thursday at yeah. 2:30. We're going to sit down and we're going to figure, you know what I mean? Was it an offhanded thing or was it a And it doesn't really matter, does it? Well, my my question now, about it is if if he believed that the president because remember, he's talking about he believed that the president committed obstruction of justice by firing James, James Comey to stop the Russia investigation. That's Andrew McCabe's conclusion there. That would be a crime. And the president would be brought up on charge. I mean, the president would be impeached for that. If they could prove that there was or he could be impeached for that, not that he would be, but he could be, I suppose. So why does why did this guy think that invoking the 25th Amendment was the better option as opposed to allowing Congress to impeach him. That's the part I've not quite understood. It may have just been another option. Or they were just, like, to to your point, maybe this was not a very serious conversation. They were just spitballing. Yeah. I mean, it's still not great. I I don't like that option. I don't like the fact that there's somebody in the FBI who's talking about how we can get rid of the president. And why it would originate with somebody from the FBI and not some member of the cabinet, because that's how it's supposed to happen is that the members of the cabinet are the ones who have to agree that the president would be unfit. I And it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a strange, strange issue. By the way, invoking the 25th Amendment, 
not unconstitutional. No. Literally the definition of constitutional. It is not a, not a, not a yeah, Exactly. It, it may it, suck. I mean, it's not a great positive thing. But it thing. was never going to be a viable option because you need eight members of the 15-member cabinet. You need the vice president to be on board. You need uh, two-thirds of Congress. It was just never going to happen. Yeah, that's... Um, there are. That's why I don't think of, it was a serious conversation. A couple of other stories. Stephen Miller has come to the forefront once again as being one of the main spokespeople for the president. And lately, well, yesterday was really the big day for him. He was out doing the uh, Sunday morning talk shows talking about the uh, the emergency declaration. He said that the declaration was sanctioned by the plain statute of a law passed by Congress more than four decades ago, the National Emergency Declaration. In 1976, it should say the National Emergencies Act, and he referred to former commanders-in-chief having invoked emergency powers 59 times. The problem is this time it's employing the act to actually secure taxpayer dollars that had been denied by Congress. That is the issue. The issue of an emergency declaration is not what everyone's arguing about. It's using the declaration to then go after taxpayer money that Congress already said no to. That's where we're going to go. That's why this thing's going to go to the Supreme Court. Uh, looks like Empire actor Jesse Smollett orchestrated that alleged attack on him in Chicago. More details coming out this hour. The man that this did not happen. We'll to. get you the very latest coming up next on Gary and Shannon. We didn't get to this in uh, Swamp Watch, but there are uh, a couple of different ways to gauge how Democrats who are running for the nomination for president have been doing. Kamala Harris apparently had the best campaign rollout in terms of notoriety and some early fundraising. Uh, Amy Klobuchar's debut in the snow showed some grit. Elizabeth Warren, the video where she drank beer in her kitchen, weird. I haven't clicked on anything related Uh, to her ever since her terrible decision process that led her to take a dna test um all of that came actually from president trump that was his review of how each of those different candidates came out and started their oh yeah i mean he's like he's got popcorn yeah and he's sitting in his chair (laughs) and he's just watching all of this just so excited for for 2020 i bet i've got to believe well, it seems like every day there's been a new twist in the story of this alleged Jesse Smollett attack, this Empire actor actor who says he was attacked in Chicago when he went out for a sandwich at Subway. Yeah. It, as of this morning, there were reports from his attorneys or people who say they're his attorneys that he could talk to detectives as early as today. Apparently that has changed. Ryan Burrow has been covering the story for us and for ABC in Chicago. And Ryan, I guess he's not. There at least is no urgency on their part to have uh, him speak with detectives. No, uh, not today at least. Uh, We got a uh, a little release, a statement from the spokesperson of the attorneys who are representing Smollett saying that uh, there will be no meeting with Chicago police. And this comes after uh, the weekend when police said that they urgently would like to speak with him, that uh, the discussions they had, the interrogations they had with these two men who were identified as being at the scene of this attack uh, shifted the trajectory of their investigation. Uh, 
Um, they obviously see something uh, different and uh, would like some explaining on behalf of Jussie Smollett. And uh, they, they feel like they've got everything they needed to from these two men uh, to release them. Uh, remember, as of Friday, they were being considered potential suspects in this case. Uh, does not appear to be the case anymore. They released them, and it sounds as though these two men are doing press conferences and, and will be speaking in the coming days. TMZ is now reporting that they rehearsed the attack. That is what uh, law enforcement officials, sources have told ABC News, that these men told police that uh, this was rehearsed, that they were paid, uh, that uh, they actually, uh, police do have possession of the receipt of the rope that was purchased that was found around Jesse's neck. Um, to this point, we're not getting an official statement from Chicago police on that as they continue this investigation. Uh, but it is interesting to point out, once the men were released from custody or from their interrogations, uh, one once police said that they had changed the trajectory of the investigation, uh, the question was asked, do you still consider Justice Smollett to be the victim in this case? And we got the dreaded no comment. So uh, it does not appear because at that point, to that point, they had been saying he's still the victim, he's still the victim, and now we're getting no comment. Uh, it's been interesting that Justice Smollett hasn't tweeted anything since January 28th, which was the, the day before the attack. The one pinned tweet that he has on his official page now announces an album that is due to drop on March 2nd. Yeah, and uh, one of these uh, men who Jesse admitted to knowing, uh, the, the man who was questioned uh, as a personal trainer, he had hired this person for the music video or for a music video that was coming up here in Chicago. Uh, so he even, in a statement released by his attorneys this weekend, although he said he's angry and devastated uh, that they could be the perpetrators in this or it suggested they could be the perpetrators, he admits that he does have a relationship and that this per one of these people was hired by him. Unfortunate for him that uh, falsifying a police report is a felony in Illinois. Sure is. Uh, could do uh, prison time if indeed this is something that police determine uh, is the case here. Um, we're obviously being cautious. We don't know what direction it is they're going. Uh, you know, is that going to be, is that, are they going to prosecute to the fullest extent of the law if indeed uh, this shifts and, and kind of points the finger at Jesse? We don't know at this point. Um, that being said, there's been a lot of manpower being used <laughs> to, to try to figure out what happened here, whether it be from the spokesman perspective, from investigators perspective, um, you know, this is something that they're taking very seriously. Uh, to that end, I've been reading, uh, is it Anthony Guglielmi? Yeah, yeah. Guglielmi, yeah. Uh, now, his his tweets and his uh, public statements about this have been almost um, uh, effusive in, their, in that he is not saying that Jesse Smollett is a suspect. In fact, the latest one, in terms of they want to re-interview some people, all they say is, we have some follow-ups to complete, include speaking to the individual who reported the incident. Very, exactly. very non-committal one way or the other about what's been going on. That being said, we know there's a lot behind the scenes, a lot of things that they know. I mean, think about this. Police were waiting for those two men when they flew back from Nigeria. We spent those two weeks saying, who are these two men? Who are these two men in this picture? Police knew right away who they were, and they were waiting for them when they arrived and moved pretty quickly uh, by raiding their homes immediately after they returned. So uh, you get a feeling that uh, they know a lot more than they're leading on. That being said, we'll see how this all plays out. Ryan, thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. Ryan Burrow there in Chicago. Yeah, TMZ is reporting that they rehearsed the attack days before the incident, that they told cops they got in a car with Jussie and scouted a location, 
and they settled on the one right outside the actor's apartment and that Jesse chose the spot because he believed a camera would have captured the action. And the the brothers told police that Jesse said he wanted to make it a physical thing, but not to the point where he'd be seriously injured. And on the night he says he was attacked, the brothers claim they showed up at, at, at the scene but were really nervous because just as they played out the scene, a car drove by and they worried that they would be ID'd. And remember, one of the things that cops wanted from Jesse Smollett right away was his phone. They wanted to to check his phone to see if he had been texting anybody or if anybody knew where he was going to be at that moment. And he said he was on the phone with his manager at the time. He did turn over his own version of the phone records, which was he printed them out and then gave them to police redacted. He crossed out a bunch of the numbers and information that was on the uh, the phone records, which police said gave them zero investigative worth. They're, they're, yeah. They couldn't tell what they were looking for. And I I believe they've already got his phone records. I mean, in this case, they, it's easy for them to get a search warrant and a subpoena, get those phone records from whatever phone company he has, so they know who he's talked right. to, which may give them, you know, what if he talked to these guys and said, hey, I'm going to Subway right now. I'll meet you out on the corner at such and such and so-and-so. By the way, uh, correction, the pinned tweet that he has is from last year. Last year was when his album debuted. A couple of women who decided to join ISIS now say they want out, but will their home countries let them back? We'll get into it. Gary and Channel will continue in just a moment. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, as Vox wrote it up, it has been a chaotic road to the 2019 Oscar ceremony. That's the truth. We will, coming up next, go over all of the missteps uh, on this road and uh, what could possibly go wrong between now and the broadcast. There was a uh, memorial today, yet another vigil, actually, this afternoon in Aurora, Illinois, to remember the five people who were killed in that workplace shooting that uh, we talked about at about this time on Friday. Five police officers were also shot. All of them are expected to recover. There was a sixth officer who was injured, apparently on the way to the shooting. Uh, It's going to be okay as well. Uh, There is a 19-year-old woman who left Britain to join the Islamic State. And she's pregnant, by the way. Pregnant by one of these dudes. And she wants to come back to Britain so that she can – oh, I'm sorry. She's already given birth. That's, yeah. that's the key. So she's given birth in one of these refugee camps, Shamima Begum. She recently left the last remaining village that's held by the terrorist group in Syria. She is one of a couple of women that we wanted to tell you about. She gave an interview last night with Sky News in which a reporter asked her, you know, what prompted you? Why did you go? Why, you know, what did you see? She referred to the beheading videos that she saw that ISIS had put out as one of the reasons that she wanted to go um, and join ISIS. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. You have a question? The beheading what, what about the beheading videos? It was very well produced, apparently. But she also said that ISIS, you know, as much as we see the negative things like, Oh, I don't know, torture and beheading and stuff. They also put out some really nice videos that talked about life under the Islamic State being sort of an ideal. Peaceful. Okay, so I think you're done at that point. You're done with Britain. You've given it up. You're, you've given it up. If you're, if you're still clinging to 
the thought of, hey, well, I went over there because I was really attracted to those beheading videos. And, uh, and, and you know what? There is a good side to ISIS. And you know what? It seems like she, does, she doesn't want to live in this refugee camp. I mean, those are not Malibu spas, refugee camps, yeah. right? It's not like she's done with that, but that she hasn't completely denounced ISIS and everything it stands for. So I would say absolutely not. Well, there was a point Who where— Who cares that she's a, a young mother? I mean, if you, you're still towing the ISIS line. British officials had said that when, when we first found out that these girls had left, she went with two other girls. They left the Bethnal Green Academy in East London. February of 2015. Soon after they made their way to Syria, we knew that they had gone there. British officials said that they would they could come home without facing charges. There was no evidence at that point that they had committed any terrorist offenses. And basically, they were brainwashed. That has changed significantly. This last week, the Home Secretary in Britain said that he would not hesitate to prevent the return of those who supported terrorist groups abroad. I want to play for you part of this interview from last night on Sky News. The reporter brings up the Manchester attack, the bombing outside the Ariana Grande concert, and listen to her response to this. Here's your opportunity then to apologize to some of the people who were murdered by the group that you joined. Some of the British men, some of the women, some of the kids from Manchester who were killed in the Manchester arena. You must have heard about that attack. What did you think about that? I was shocked, but... I just couldn't. I didn't know about the kids actually, but. And? I do feel that it's wrong that people did get killed. It's like, it's one thing to kill a soldier that is fighting you, you know, it's self defense, but to kill people like women and children, just like people, you know, like the women and children in Bagos that are being killed right now unjustly by the bombings. It's a two-way thing, really. Because no. women and children are being killed back in the Islamic State right now. And it's kind of retaliation. Like, the, their justification was that it was retaliation, so I thought, okay, that is a, f- a fair justification. I still haven't heard you apologize to anybody. I love that. I want that guy to come and interview Jesse Smollett. Yeah, seriously. Uh, they So they don't know what they're going to do. This woman, she's given birth in this, this refugee camp in Syria. There's 40,000 people there. You know who else is there? A woman from Alabama by the name of Hoda Mutana. She's 24 years old. She now says she made a big mistake when she was 20 years old and left the U.S. to join Syria. She says she was brainwashed into doing so online. She, too, has an 18-month-old son. She said she misunderstood her faith. And that friends she had at the time believed they were following ISIS tenets, Islamic tenets, excuse me, when they aligned themselves to ISIS. Um, she is believed to be the only American woman among 1,500 foreign women and children who were inside this huge refugee camp. It, that This camp, by the way, is about two hours away from, if you've been reading the headlines, where this big final battle is being taken place uh, or is taking place. She tracks with sort of the arc of the rise of ISIS and the caliphate, what they believed was the caliphate, and and then the the collapse over these last few years. So she leaves home. She gets a flight to Turkey in November of 2014 after she planned it for months, kept it secret from her family. She settles in Raqqa, one of the two main ISIS hubs. The other was Mosul. She marries an Australian jihadist guy, Suhan Rahman. 
oh, guess what? You know what happens when you marry ISIS guys? They die. They die. He died in Kobani. And then she tweets, Americans wake up, men and women all together. You have much to do while you live under our greatest enemy. Enough of you are sleeping. Go on drive-bys, spill all of their blood, rent a big truck, drive over all of them. Veterans, Patriots, Memorial Day, kill them. Now, she says not only was she brainwashed, but that her social media accounts were taken over by other people. Oh, well, there it is. She's upset about that. Yes. And oh. also, uh, they, you know what they don't have over there in this ISIS uh, land? A food. She says, uh, I was traumatized by my experience. We starved and we literally ate grass. So if I'm eating grass and I'm, I'm in a refugee camp where Doesn't they take over my you, social media. Break you out of your I'm gonna tell. Well, and you'll say anything to get out of there, even if you still believe in the ISIS ideology. I mentioned her first husband. Well, her second husband from Tunisia. I just, it's just, you're done. You try to join ISIS. You're done here. I don't the, care if you're a woman and you have a baby. The father of her baby, Adam. Her husband, that husband, was killed in Mosul. She went deeper into ISIS's ever-shrinking caliphate and then married a Syrian guy last year. So she's got a kid. She'd love to come back to Alabama and blames her parents for living in a very conservative home. They placed restrictions on her movements and her interactions, and she said that those contributed to her radicalization. Sorry. You have just become the mayor of that refugee camp. You're going to stay there for a while. All right, coming up next, the Oscars. How much more can they screw this up? We'll get into it. Gary and Shannon will continue. John and Ken rolling in today. Top of the hour. I think you're struggling with it. That's what I think. You don't know. See, uh, this is what happens if we spend more time than the allotted four hours Monday through Friday. That's a good point. <clears throat> this is why we have social events in the same place that we're both at. We start questioning each other's sanity. It's trouble. What the hell's wrong with you? Uh, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has been asked many, many times over the last couple of days, did you, in fact, nominate President Donald Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize? (laughs) And Shinzo Abe has been very quiet. I'm sure. But he has also not said he didn't do it. He just... Prime Minister Abe of Japan... Yeah. ...gave me the most beautiful copy of a letter that he sent to the people... That give out a little thing... Who give out a thing called the Nobel Prize. <laughs> but he didn't deny it. Didn't deny it. I think it was done as a ha 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 in the uh <laughs> in in Japan, Maybe. don't you? No, I don't I think I think they I like think they it. had a good time with that because they knew how much that he would enjoy that. Well, the Oscars is off to a rough start, are they not? Kevin Hart announced his host. And then the Academy demands him apologize. He apologized for tweets he already apologized for from a decade ago. They screwed that up so much that he wouldn't go back, even after they said, all right, you know, it's all it's all good. Come back. Even no. He had the Queen of Hollywood going after. I mean, he had Ellen on his side saying, I just called the Academy and asked him to, uh, to have you back. And they would, would they reconsider and 
It never happened. This, uh, but it goes farther back than that. It goes back to August. If you remember, one of the criticisms, well, the Oscars have gotten a lot of criticisms over the last couple of years. One of them, Oscar's so white. But the other one is that this is becoming increasingly out of touch with middle America. This is a show based in L.A. for L.A. Like, no one else wants to see this, and no one thinks they're as important as they do. Starting in 2020, the Academy came out, said, and starting in 2020, the Oscars would have a more compressed timeline. So they're going to move this up a few weeks. I mean, literally move it up in the year to early February. So as to shorten the distance or shorten the time period between the nominations and the ceremony itself. Plus, it makes them sort of the crowning show on the series of awards shows that we see at the beginning of the year. They're also going to shorten it to three hours tops because it's just too long-winded, and that does not play well everywhere. Um, Also, there was that new category that got immediate blowback, the new category of best popular picture, because there's so many people that are normal people that just think the choices are so esoteric, and it's all Hollywood, patting Hollywood on the back, and people didn't really like that movie They liked uh, Dirty Dancing or whatever. Right. Well, the question also came up because in August there were already talk. I mean, there had been for months talk about Black Panther being a ridiculously popular, well-put-together film. So uh, the question was, would the Academy recognize a movie like that? And somebody came up with this dumb idea of the best popular picture category, even though – they didn't have any clear definition of what that meant. It it seems like they would just take the top ten box office right. winners of the year, put those up against each other. But then, what do you are you what's are you just choosing from those ten, or are you saying the one who got the most money that's the best popular picture? Didn't make any sense. So they decided that they would push the best popular picture category off. They, they're not tabling it forever, they said, but it at least is dead on the table right now. Then they came up with, like you said, the, the changing of the time. They wanted to put a time limit of three hours. Sometimes these things go four hours, but they wanted to put it in three hours. So a couple of weeks ago they said, and to do that, of the 24 awards that we hand out, four of them will be handed out during the commercial breaks and we'll play the acceptance speech sometime later in the show like we'll pick which part of the speech was good and then we'll play that one of the things that they got pushback for that was cinematographers best cinematography was one of those categories that they were going to put it push into the commercial break this year which is by definition something that you can only give out in the academy awards i mean yes screen actors guild all those they, they right. can have similar things but but in terms of this is a movie specific category. Yeah, cinematography is a big big one. It's um, literally what makes this right. different from the Tonys or the right. Grammys or right. the Emmys or I mean this is uh, this is why it is that they do this. Editing was also going to be pushed off live action short and makeup and hairstyling. Uh the other thing and this was a more minor thing. This is definitely inside baseball, but in early February, it, we found out that Allison Janney, Francis McDormand, Gary Oldman, and Sam Rockwell were not asked to present at this year's awards. Usually it's best actress from last year comes it's and one presents of my, the best one actor. one of the things I like about it. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's a great tribute. It continue, you know, it's a revolving. Right. And, and you remember, oh, that's yes. right. She won last year. Oh, exactly. remember that? Yeah. 
they said they weren't going to do that because they wanted the Academy to bring in higher profile presenters who would draw more interest from viewers. Like who? Silly. Absolutely silly. Cardi B? Yes, exact. That's, I think, exactly where they were going to go with that. It's so funny. It's like they're moving away from the parts of it that we liked. Yeah. Yeah, and, well, and, and they didn't move away from the esoteric picks, by the way. I mean, we get the screeners. We're in SAG. And I got to say, some of these movies are just slogs and they're depressing and they're overly messaged. And it's just like, damn it, I just want to be entertained. Although I will say, Glenn freaking close. Watch that wife movie. She's back, huh? She, where has she been? Where has she been since the bunny boiling incident? I mean, she's ex- <laughs> exceptional. She was so great in this movie. One of the things that we talk about every year when it comes to the Oscars is these uh, swag bags that some of the top presenters and uh, and nominees get. This year, along with all of the skin care and gold toilet plungers and all the stuff that they get, mm-hmm. they're getting THC for the first time. Oh, awesome. Chocolates infused with 10 milligrams of THC. To get into that box before the broadcast. Uh, they're produced by Coda Signature, a company that makes edibles like truffles and chocolate bars. But here's the thing. These are 10 milligrams each. If you're new to this whole thing, they suggest, I mean, the, this company itself suggests, you start with one, two, five milligrams, something like that. See how you react to it. See if you like it. You might not. 10 milligrams is kind of a socky in the face pretty quickly if you're not careful with it. So, anyway, this year is the first year that they're going to get pot in their uh, in their Oscar swag bags. And we just found out today Queen will be performing at the Academy Awards. No. Yes. Really? Yes. Okay. Well, two of the four original say, members. How, how much is that? It's half of Queen plus Adam Lambert. It, it will be Brian May, the guitarist, and the drummer, Roger Taylor. But I guess John Deacon, the bassist. He hasn't played with Queen or, you know, this newly updated version of Queen for several years. But Adam Lambert will be fronting them and uh, assuming that they'll be – they may even start the show, actually. That would be quite a number if they started the show because we were asking what – how do you open the Oscars without a host? That may be their answer is uh, getting Queen up there. All right, coming up next, the latest trend in Los Angeles is buying tissues that are used – so that you can control when you get sick. This is not really. What? When you get a cold, when you get the flu, this is all about uh, controlling that by using somebody's used tissue. Wait till you hear how much they're charging. Good Lord. Again, if you're dumb enough to buy this crap, then you, then, then you get the stupid tax. Gary and Shannon will continue. Love it. So there is an entrepreneur from Denmark, Copenhagen, who has moved his company here to Los Angeles, and it's all about a cure for the common cold. Uh, Well, actually kind of like regulating when you get your colds, really. And maybe have fewer colds as long as you continue along with his uh, products. Is this real? Yes. Is this real life? His cure for the common cold, already infected tissues. 
Well, I went to the website and they're sold out. They've sold a thousand boxes, allegedly. They've got eight employees. They've sold a thousand boxes. It's eighty dollars a box to buy these pre-infected tissues. He says he came up with the idea a couple years ago. He's in Copenhagen. He's 34. He said he grew tired of pills as cures for his ailments, and he started this up and moved his offices to Los Angeles. What What is in each he, of these he, tissues? It's with, infected. With what? What's in there? Uh, a sick person's... Uh, Snot? Secretions. Snot. Uh-huh. He says, before embarking on a trip, you might want to use our tissues. By infecting yourself a few days before your departure, you're essentially getting the cold out of the way before the fun begins. He says, we believe that when flu season comes around, you should be able to get sick on your terms. You can control when you get sick. I feel like this isn't real. The website explains it believes using a tissue that carries human sneeze is safer than needles or pills. Who's you? Oh, needles like for, for flu shots. But there's no mention of any science, which is clearly not. I mean, a handful full of people have voiced concerns about the efficacy of the tissues, but also the potential risk to public safety. There are more than 200 types of rhinoviruses alone. So while you may be protecting yourself against one person's s- snot, only one or two strains, you're not 100% protected. The bulk of the customers tend to be young parents and 20-somethings who oh are anti-vaccines. God. We're done. We're, I'm, I'm assuming that when my parents were 46 <laughs> and they looked at me and they said, we're never, this is, we're done. Society as we know it is going to break down and we're all going to live like monkeys again. Yes, that's how every generation works. You look at the at what's coming up, and you but say, did, "Can you think we're of done. can you think of anything so stupid as sneezing into a, a tissue and then storing it and selling it to somebody else? And which <laughs> one? Which one is this more stupid person? The person who does this? Like, what do you do for work? Oh, I sneeze. Well, interesting. You say that. Uh, they say for months the website has listed the boxes as being sold out, and he says the the entrepreneur says. It's because of a supply chain issue that has to do with their stable of sneezers who infect the tissues. He says too many of them are healthy right now. And when it's your job to be sick, that can be a problem. There are instructions that come with these tissues, by the way, if you were to buy them with other people's snot on them. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, they're only intended for adults and anybody... Older than six. It's just weird. Why don't you just say... Anyway. $80 box of tissues today. Of used tissues. In an attempt to prevent yourself from getting sick. In in a less than opportune time. I don't don't believe this. I don't think this is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Because I find it hard to believe also that... Someone like you, for example, would use someone else's used tissue just in my, an attempt to. My uncle just texted me. You might think that's funny, but it's not. Well, your uncle is now banned from the show. So <laughs> he chose to fight. Now, I will say this. 
I had an uncle for a long I never remember my uncle ever having a cold. And he was a guy who keep that bandana tucked into his pocket. Yeah, he never washed and that every thing. every time that thing comes out, yeah. it just looked like it had been through Civil War or something. It probably And he'd had. blow his nose into that thing and then just shove it right back into that pocket. Yeah. Never once was that thing clean. But again, I also never saw him sick that I can they remember. They have an Instagram page Ugh. if you want to do a deep dive. I don't. Really. John. Yes. You look nice for a vacation day. It's Nobody's here. It's the day I've, you get to dress like a homeless. I forgot it was a holiday. You did. <laughs> yeah. Of course I, you did. I, somebody sent home all the non-essential employees, I guess. Huh? Wow. There's, there's nobody here. There is nobody here. <laughs> and somehow the station's on the <laughs> air. Great line. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, crickets down in the sales department yeah. right now. Yeah, I thought Trump closed this place down. I didn't see <laughs> Uh, we saw you on television over the weekend. Yes, I was. That's exciting. Do you do that from time to time? Somebody calls. Oh, okay. Doesn't happen often. I had nothing to do. It was quarter to ten in the morning. You want to come on TV? Okay. <laughs> What's <laughs> you, coming up on the show? Uh, we're going to have uh, Ryan uh, Burroughs from uh, ABC News with the latest on this uh, fake Jesse Smollett story that uh, everybody spent a month <laughs> And you know, the thing is, people people were so quick to jump on Twitter and everything else. And and I have a list of all the famous people who went on Twitter. I mean, I've got dozens. And they went on it right away before Mm -hmm. knowing any of the details. And I got we got a minute and a half montage of all the idiots on television. Oh, did you see ABC trying to cover their asses today? After the interview from Thursday with Robin Roberts, no, what did they say today? They brought in Dan Abrams, their legal of uh, their legal guy, and said, "Well, gosh, uh, isn't this bad news if he made this up?" And he says, "Well, duh, of course it's bad news." But and they talk, they tried to say that Robin Roberts did hardball him when she asked him questions about. She did no, no, there are people she who didn't. think that you made it up. No. Some say, yeah. What do you say to your critics that right? <laughs> It was bad. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah I know. It's well, uh, going on every day now. He says he's not talking to the cops, or at least his lawyers say he's not rushing yeah, to talk a lot, to Yeah, a them. lot of victims hire defense lawyers. That's the weirdest. <laughs> no, no, when you're when you guilty of making a false case, it's, it's exactly what you have to do it's now. Probably I'd go get that guy do, who right? defended that rapist. All right. You know? John and Ken, up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now. A low interest rate on everyday purchases and place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed and together they can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCU. Anyway.